Ephesians chapter number 1, and if you'll turn there, we'll talk about something that is so important that we understand. In Christ, in Christ, I have these. In Christ, I am made something, and it's all in Christ. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ." both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed, with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. We'll stop there, but we could keep going. And let's pray, and then we'll go on. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to open it and to read it. Now help me to have a clear mind and heart to Uh, be able to deliver what you'd have said today and that we would uh, receive your word with understanding and uh, if anyone here amongst us is not in Christ yet uh, that they would see their need to be in Christ and that you would help each of us who are in Christ to recognize and realize and appreciate what all that means in a greater way we ask today in Jesus name amen first of all of all the things that we have we see in ch- chapter 1, verse 4, uh, it says again, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Because I am in Christ, the Bible says, and I'll go to this verse later, but therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. And because I am in Christ, I am chosen. Last week I was talking about leprosy and how it connects with sin, how that sin is pictured with the disease of leprosy and how that in Leviticus 13, that strange verse that says when he is full from head to toe, he is to be pronounced clean, which makes no sense to us, except that when we realize that we are filled with sin and there is no good thing that we can brag of, then our only hope is to cling and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is exactly what he wants us to do. It is the lie of the devil to trust in our own self-righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ. It is the foolishness of people that we do that. And we, we might 
we, we might have a lot of people going to church in America today, but may I say that the vast majority of them are trusting in themselves and not in Christ alone. I only say that out of experience and because of what I know they teach and believe in a lot of these churches. And I'm here to tell you that today that the only reason why I am chosen is because I'm in Christ. See, the truth is, is that Jesus is the elect. The truth is, is that Jesus is the one that deserves heaven. Jesus is the one that was predestinated to go to heaven because that's where he belongs. Jesus is the elect. But once I got in Christ, I'm counted elect also. I'm also part of that predestined. I remember hearing years ago, and this was before the days of the computer system and more of just a paper system and people just, you know, manually doing things. Years ago, a man was planning on flying from Los Angeles to Oakland, California. Somehow he got on a plane to Auckland, New Zealand or Australia. He went to Auckland instead of Oakland. And you know what? No matter how much he kicked and fussed and whined and complained, that plane was headed to Auckland whether he liked it or not. And I, I tell you that because the idea of predestined is taught that, that, that God looks down and says, I'm going to predestine that one, I'm going to predestine that one, and that's just the way it's going to be. No, the Bible teaches a free will. And my free will is to choose to be in Christ or to choose not to be in Christ. Noah's day, he was building this huge boat called an ark. Those people had free will to get on that ark. God had predestined that ark to float. I do think Noah and his sons did an excellent job, but I also believe that God was going to make sure that ark floated whether they didn't do an excellent job. In other words, if they forgot to slime and pitch one section of the boat, God was going to make sure that thing floated. I just believe that, okay? And... And so the only thing that man had to do was get on the ark. I've seen a picture of Noah's ark where someone took a a paintbrush and painted Jesus on the side of the ark. I think there is a good picture there because I do believe that the ark pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you're in him, you are predestined to float. You are predestined to be salvaged and not to be destroyed. And so the key is not arguing about whether someone is elect or not from birth the truth is no one is we're all born sinners we're all born with sin but those of us who choose to be in christ i can now call myself chosen someone said it this way that when you walk into heaven's gate on the front of the gate it says whosoever will may come but when you walk into heaven's gate if you were to turn around elect and chosen is what it says on the backside. in other words those who came are the ones who are elect and chosen I know people don't teach this this way. I know there's something called Calvinism out there that gets taught in a, in a five-point Calvinism that gets taught this unconditional election or uh, irresistible grace, but I don't believe that. I believe you can see in the Word of God where men have often resisted the Holy Spirit and, and are uh, not necessarily uh, allowing God to have his way in their life. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And yet God does not force us. And so the only way that I can be chosen is to be in him. The only way I can go to Oakland is to get on the right plane. That plane's predestined to go where it's going to go. And once I'm on, I'm going there. And I believe that, and I hope that illustrates the point. Now it says chosen. It says in verse 4 that we should be holy. And without blame before him in love. Only because I'm in Christ am I counted as holy or without blame. 
I'll show this to you later in a little bit on the screen. But once I'm in Christ, I am all of these things. Look at verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Jesus is God's only son. But when I get in Christ, I am counted as one of his children. I'm adopted and accepted in him. It says in Romans chapter 8 in verse 14 that we have the spirit of adoption and whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It teaches us and shows us and demonstrates to us the love of, of God in for his own son and how that when I am in Christ, his only begotten son, that I am considered to be adopted into the family as well. Not because I deserve it, not because certainly not because I was biologically born into the family of God, but because I was born again in Christ. Then look at verse seven, in whom we have redemption. Now remember, in Christ, in him, in whom? In whom we have redemption. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. I am redeemed. I might not look very redeemed to you, but because of salvation, I'm redeemed. And we sang about it, and Josh even mentioned it. I'm so thankful. That's one of the best songs. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Uh, No self-righteousness can I cling to. Nothing but the blood. All my personal merits, nothing but the blood. I am redeemed by his blood. I am not redeemed by any other way or any other work. I am redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone asks, how in the world can you call yourself saved? How can you say you know you're on your way to heaven? Isn't that arrogant? No, no, no. It's just complete confidence in him. I know Christians are on death row. They will never get out of prison, humanly speaking. But they have found redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. They are in him. I know wardens who operated prisons who think that they're on their way to heaven because they're not as bad as the guys in the prison. I've had them tell that to me. I've gone into prison for years. My father has gone into prison for years. And I remember one warden said to me, come on, Matt, you know some of these guys can't go to heaven. Unfortunately, that man doesn't understand. That man thinks that self-righteousness or works will get him to heaven. We are all going to heaven, those of us who are going, only one way, and that's in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. There could be people in here that have been in prison before or deserve to be in prison. I won't mention Ron Spear by name, but... (laughs) But you know what? Redeemed is for everybody. But you have to choose to be in Christ. Then verse 7, it also says, this is beautiful, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Wonderful truth comes from salvation, and that is forgiveness. You know what I believe? I believe that there are people that are struggling with addictions, people who on, on the weekends go and get themselves drunk because they cannot relieve themselves from the guilt that they have in their lives. Can I tell you a better way? Get in Christ. Because when you're in Christ, you are forgiven. 
Again, I will illustrate to you in a little bit how I know this is so. But the word of God tells us that when we are redeemed by his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. There are people, speaking of weekends, they don't get drunk, but what they do is they go to some other human priest who really has no power to forgive their sins. And they try to confess their sins to this human priest on the other side of a little panel, hoping that that will do something for them. And I, I have done the same thing, only I've done it with him as my priest. And because he is my priest, I have forgiveness of sins. And I have cleansing. And I have the assurance that I am forgiven. The truth is, is that I could do some very wicked things. I think I said it last week. I could commit some very evil, wicked things. And I certainly might lose my position as pastor my reputation in the community. Even my marriage could fall apart. But one thing I cannot lose since the day I got saved is my salvation. Because I have been forgiven and I have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. You might think that doesn't sound right. Listen, if you think that any other way, you might not realize it, but you really believe then that you have to earn it somehow. We cannot earn it. And that might not seem to make sense to you, but I guarantee you one thing. The thief on the cross who had no chance to do anything good for Jesus was very receptive of that forgiveness. When he was hanging next to Jesus and he said, Lord, would you remember me today? Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. What could that thief do? Could he merit anything? Could he even join a church or get baptized or anything like that? No, he could do nothing. But he accepted the forgiveness and the redemption of Christ. He got in Christ before he died. That's what matters. Number five, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. One day, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that have already gone to heaven. They're going to be gathered together with a whole bunch of people who aren't there yet. And they're going to be all one people, and they got one main thing in common. They're all in Christ. The truth is, on planet Earth, you can have church, and sometimes church membership can be made up of people who aren't truly saved. That happens. Especially the further the church gets from the Bible, it happens more and more. But God knows the truth. God knows the real record. And when that day comes and he gathers together all in heaven and earth, oh, what rejoicing. Some of you will be hugging and welcoming your loved ones you haven't seen for a while. But I have that. And also, verse 11, it says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Romans eight seventeen says, because of our adoption, we are joint Heirs with Christ. A joint heir. Now, question, who deserves heaven? Jesus. Who as the son deserves everything from the father? Jesus. Why in the world then would you and I have the right to be joint heirs with that inheritance? You ever hear of someone who inherited, you know, millions of dollars? Have you ever wished you could be joint heirs with them? But that that compares in nothing compared to Christ who owns and inherits all things. 
the devil might say, you don't deserve anything. You, you can't even think that or believe that. You, you, don't, you know, but listen, he's right. You don't deserve anything. But because you're in Christ, you do have that. It's like marrying a rich man and you being a poor woman. But because you're in Christ, because you're with that husband and you're joint heirs with him, as the Savior, I inherit something I don't deserve. And that's the inheritance in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. This is why it's so mind-boggling that more people don't get in Christ, don't realize what they're missing. Then notice also in verse 13, in whom, talking about Jesus, ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that, after that ye believed, ye were sealed, with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 4, just the next page over in verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. All these good things that we're hearing today makes you think, well, but, but, but can I lose it? No. Because in verse 13 of chapter 1 it says, After you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of God. Now, chapter 4 verse 30 says, You can grieve the Holy Spirit, but you can't lose the seal. The seal, once you're saved, you are saved. I know people teach differently, but the Bible doesn't. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. I didn't do anything to get saved. Therefore, I cannot do anything to get unsaved. It is by his promise and by his merit and on the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ that I have hope. I might be guilty of all kinds of things, but I cannot, no matter what I do now that I have believed and am saved, I cannot break or ruin that seal. I am sealed in Christ. Number seven, verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That word earnest, it's a bank word, earnest money. It's the idea of security. It's, it's, a, it's an amount of money that's already been paid in earnest and in promise that the future will be total payment. Today I am saved. Today I am sitting in heavenly places with Christ. Today I am one of God's children. Today I have these promises and the way I know it is because in a few weeks we're even gonna celebrate it. It's called Easter. He paid on the cross that earnest payment and he rose again. And I am, I am confident because I know the earnest has been paid. Not only is he coming for me, but he left the payment already saying that I am paying the earnest. This is serious. I'm not just, I'm not just telling you I'm going to do this, but I've already made the down payment on it. Number eight, I am quickened. Chapter two, verse one says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in a time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace you are saved. That word quickened means to make alive. You hear the phrase, the quick and the dead. That means the living and the dead. You hath he quickened who were dead, but now you are in Christ. And so because I'm in Christ, I am made alive. I am not dying. I am living. 
this physical body will one day go into the grave, but I am already eternally alive. From the time I started believing on Christ, I began to enjoy eternal life from that day. We don't, we don't have to wait until we die and you go to a funeral and say, all right, well, uh, praise the Lord, she, she's finally enjoying her eternal life. No, she's been eternal ever since she got saved. You hath he quickened, made alive. Otherwise, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And you walk among the children of disobedience and you really are just dead The truth is people without Christ are getting closer to that final day of death and closer to the second death and they have nothing but negative in front of them. But those of us who are saved, we are made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Then number nine, verse six, chapter two, it says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Number 9, I am raised to sit together with him in heavenly places. Where is Jesus right now? He's risen from the dead, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Because I'm in Christ, I am considered there also. As far as they're concerned, I am legitimately there sitting at the right hand of the Father. I already have a place in heaven. It's already been settled. It's already been determined. I don't have to wait on judgment day. It's already a promise that I have from the word of God. And I am now made to sit in heavenly places. (coughs) Why? Not because of me, but because I'm in Christ. Because I'm in Christ, I enjoy that new status. I have a reservation. My name's been written down. And then number 10. Verse number eight, chapter two, verse eight. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm gonna open the screen projector here in a minute and show you something on the screen. Because I'm in Christ, I am saved, but it is not of works, lest any man should boast. It's only in Christ only through Christ and only in him and only by the grace of God am I saved. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. As the screen comes down, we can see this verse in a minute. We'll go there. But before we even get there, I just want to say to you that this is one of the best two verses you'll find in the word of God. Because, you know, you've heard songs, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. I I preached about it last week and how that, the, the songwriter did not say, sing or write the words amazing grace which saved a pretty good person like me. God allowed that man to be a slave trader, John Newton. I, I don't know for sure, but I, I never asked John Newton. He died way before I was born. But my guess is, is that he probably had a hand in someone dying because in those days, in the 1700s, if you were hauling human beings across the ocean like cattle on a ship, You probably just did the tally figures and figure you're probably going to have a percentage that are going to die before they make it to the slave auction. Maybe that's what he meant when he said, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Regardless, he no doubt had a part in 
watching men and women and children being completely divided up and sold like animals as a slave trader. And God, in his amazing grace, turned John Newton from a drunken, selfish slave trader into a born-again believer who became a preacher and who wrote many hymns. It's just that one is his most famous. <clears throat> it is by grace that you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, <clears throat> as we look at verse 10, I want to show you something. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. On the screen I have 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And someone, including Satan, can point at you and say, but I know what you've done, John Newton, and I know what kind of a wicked person you are. And that is true of, of my past, and I am filled with sin, and that's what I was, but now I am in Christ. It's not an escape just to get away from um, the punishment, but recognizing that Jesus Christ took the punishment. I am now in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus. For God made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's amazing that God would be willing to make Jesus to be the sin for us. You know, when he died on the cross, the sky became dark. In fact, the only time that Jesus didn't refer to God as his father was on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? He became the sin of the world. As a young man, I was reading in the book of Numbers, and I was reading about how that Moses and the people of Israel were in the wilderness, and there were these fiery serpents, and they were biting people, and they were killing people. And God told Moses to make a brass pole and put this serpent on the pole. And if anyone will just look to that brass serpent on the pole, they can be healed and they can live and be healed of the snake bite. Then over in John chapter 3, I, I saw in verse 14 that Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And as a teenage boy, I read that and I thought, but the serpent is a serpent. Why would Jesus be comparing himself to that serpent on a pole? You know, I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus died on the cross, he became the sin of the world. Now just think about your sin. Just think about what you've done. Stuff that nobody else even knows about. Now add Mr. Spears. And then everybody else in this room. And then everybody else, not just alive right now, but everybody else that's ever lived throughout human history. And someone became the sin of the world. See, the truth is, all sin's been paid for. It's just a lot of people haven't gotten in Christ. But he took upon himself the sin of the world. And God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made 
the righteousness of God. Not self-righteousness, but in him. So I've got this list up here, and on one side is me and my life and my record of sin. That's just at age five. I stopped there. I didn't get all the way to where I am now. Over here, I have the record of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's how it looks. Only it's actually a lot more dirty on my side. But one day, when I understood simply the gospel of Jesus Christ, I didn't understand everything about the Bible. I just understood enough to understand that I need Jesus. And I didn't even fully understand the whole in Christ and and even everything we're talking about today. And redemption was kind of a big word when I got saved. And, and, And some of these other words we've talked about. But the day I got saved, I prayed and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And I started believing. When I started believing, 2 Corinthians 5.21 came to pass. God made Jesus to be sin for me, who knew no sin. And what happened is, is that I'm not saying I can prove this, but just as a way of illustration, he crossed out our names and changed places with me. It's just my illustration. It might have some flaws in it, but that's what he did. See, the only reason why I can be adopted or redeemed or forgiven or have an inheritance, the only reason I can claim an inheritance is because of what he did. Certainly not because of what I deserve. And the leper was to go to the priest and say, I I need you to pronounce me clean. And there's only one that could. In Luke chapter 5, the leper that was full of leprosy came to Jesus and he said, you're clean. And when I came to Jesus like a leper, he declared me clean. The rest of the world could say, ah, but we know who you are. Yes, you might know what I've done. But what you don't understand is, is because I am in Christ, as far as God's concerned, this is how it looks to him. And he was able to take all of this and all of yours and everyone else's and die on the cross for it. I couldn't. So then verse 10 says this beautiful thing. After salvation, we are his workmanship. After being born again and in Christ, we are his, I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. A lot of people attempt to do good works for God. Remember verse 8 and 9, you cannot do good works to be saved. But what's amazing in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 is that God in Christ creates us to good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So now as a Christian, I am living my life, I am to be living my life in Christ Jesus. And my whole life is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I have bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's, the Bible says. And because of Christ, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, because of Christ, I can forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
And his example of forgiveness, and by the way, this is an example of forgiveness. His example of forgiveness leaves me no excuse to not forgive someone else. And that's a work that he does. How can you forgive someone else? Well, let me tell about someone who forgave me. You say, well, I've never done anything really bad to Jesus. Every time you sin, you help nail him to the cross. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I happen to know so-and-so. You might think that. But pride's a sin too. And one of his workmanships is to make me a forgiver when I used to not be a forgiver. And to keep making me a forgiver because I still work on it and have a problem with it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And you know what a real Christian is? A real Christian isn't someone who just says they are or dresses up and goes to a church somewhere. A Christian is someone who is Christ-like. Does Jesus forgive the unlovely? Does Jesus love the unlovely? Does Jesus do things supernatural that humans couldn't do? Yes. And Christians exemplify their Christianity and his workmanship in their lives by the ability to do things that aren't natural. I know spouses that attempted to kill their spouses and yet they are forgiven and God has forgiven them and they are still married and they are walking with God. The world can't do that. I know people who have who have had their child killed by someone who was trying to rob them. And in court, you may have seen this too, in court they have sat there and said, you, you killed our son. It has broken our heart. But we forgive you. And we want you to know heaven. We want you to know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a phrase, and I... And I I, I want to repeat it to you. Whenever I see someone that's a sinner or someone that's done something filthy and wrong, I have to remember this. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there goes I. That could be me. If it wasn't for the, the grace of God in my life, that could easily be me. And in some cases, it was me. But he's changed me. And there are people in this room that he has changed. And he is working on them still. We picked on Mr. Spear quite a bit today. We might as well do it again. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It says the world doesn't understand us. It doesn't know us, but he knows us. And it says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And the truth is, whether it's Mr. Spear or whether it's Matt Furs or whether it's anyone else that's saved, you could hang a sign on them and say, under construction. He's still working on me. I'm not, I'm not complete yet. You can ask my wife. He's still working on me, and I'm still his artwork. But you know what's beautiful about an artist? After a while, if they're good and they're well-known, like John Crane up in Hill City, Charlie Russell 
I've gotten to, I, I am not an art expert, but I like Charlie Russell and I, and I know John Crane because I've seen enough of him. I don't have to go in the little corner and get my magnifying glass out to see if that says John Crane. I can just recognize it from a distance. When I see a Charlie Russell, I usually can, that looks like a, yep, sure enough. And when you're in Christ and you're abiding in Christ, no one has to go and look on your bumper to see if you've got a bumper sticker. No one has to look and see if you've got a cross on your necklace. No. From a distance, I can see his artwork. That's being in Christ. I'm his workmanship. And you know, I, I, I listed John chapter 9 because in John chapter 9, there's this story of this blind man. And the disciples come with Jesus to this blind man and they say to Jesus, Lord, who sinned? Did, the, did, the, did this blind man sin when he was a baby? Is that why he was born blind? Or were his parents sinners? And is that why he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. You can look it up later, but in John 9, it says, Jesus said, he was born blind for my glory. So that one day I would come to him as a grown man blind and I would heal him of his blindness so that I would get the glory. You might not understand why God's done things in your life. But if you're in Christ, you're just giving God the glory. That's what it is. He's allowed you to suffer or have some ugliness in your life to prove that he is beautiful. Chapter 2, verse 12 says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I was once far off like a leper, but now I am made nigh because of his blood. In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are now made near. Chapter 2 of Ephesians verse 19 says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Oh, I couldn't belong. I could never belong. Oh, yes, you can. I'm so thankful that everyone in our church is a part of our church. And there are some here that aren't members. You're just coming, and that's good. I hope that you'll one day join. And if you're not saved, you'll get saved first, baptized, and then join. I'm thankful for everyone. Don't tell him I said this. I'm even thankful Ron Spears is a member of our church. You know why? Because it's just a proof that anybody can come. That anybody can be a fellow citizen. You mean prisoners? Why would you have a hope for addiction? I'll tell you why. Because people who are addicts can easily be born again and get their lives straightened out and be another trophy of his grace and another painting on the wall of what he can do. May this church never be a bunch of people who are all the same and all have the same background, respectable background. Well, there's something wrong with that church if that's the case. 
Look at the look at the group that Jesus put together. Tax collector, fisherman. I mean, interesting bunch. And then also chapter 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. I said in chapter 1, verse 10, that we'll all be gathered together in one. Chapter 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Because I'm in Christ, one day I'm going to step off that airplane and I'm going to be in heaven. I'm enjoying the journey already. But because of I'm in Christ, I have the ability to walk into heaven. They'll not even stop me and ask me if I deserve to be there because I will get there in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I will step into heaven and I will enjoy the pleasures and the exceeding riches of his grace. I have a bright future. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I get to inherit what he deserves. I get to inherit, not because I deserve it, but only because years ago I got in Christ. See, that's what this is all about. Number 15, I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not saved or on my way to heaven because of who I am. I'm not saved because my dad was a pastor. I'm not saved because I didn't do as many sins as somebody else did. That doesn't save anybody. And you know what's neat? Just the book of Ephesians alone has in Christ or in whom or in him over 30 times. It was one of the main books that circulated the early churches starting in Ephesians with the church at Ephesus. The key of everything is to be in Christ. And listen, there might be people that come to you and Satan himself that says, you're guilty of this, this, this. Don't you remember your past? Of course. We all have a past. But let me tell you something. I'm in Christ. And that doesn't matter because there is no sin greater than his grace. And because I'm in Christ Jesus, I am a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Let me ask you, have you been born again? Have you allowed him to trade places with you? Have you trusted and put your faith in him and him alone and his righteousness? Or are you still trusting in yourself? Maybe if if someone had asked you this morning, how do you get to heaven? You'd say, well, you got to be baptized. The thief on the cross never had a chance to do that. Now, getting baptized is a good thing, but it's after you're a believer. Well, I've been in church all my life. Going to church does not make you a Christian. Going to Pizza Hut doesn't make you a pizza. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. In fact, a building isn't a church. It's people that are to the church. If, if someone, well, well I, I'm a good person. I mean, I, I try to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, can you list all ten? If you can't even list all ten, you're probably not keeping all ten. But I know this for sure. Even if you've got all ten memorized, you can't keep all ten. That's why he gave them to us, to prove to us that we can't and that we can only do it in Christ. See, the only answer to whether you're a Christian is, are you in Christ Jesus? Does he 
take your sin upon himself because you have asked him to, because you have received him and confessed and asked him to be your savior. Are you trusting in self or in Christ? In works or in Christ? In anything else or in Christ Jesus? If you're trusting in any other thing, you need to repent of that today. And wouldn't it be a shame if someone's sitting here right now who never did this, this, and this, but never got in Christ either, were to miss heaven while someone else in this room is guilty of a whole boatload of stuff, but they got in Christ. That's, that's the story of the gospel. And in Jesus' day, there were a bunch of Pharisees walking around, looking down their noses at the disciples of Jesus. And outside of a few of them, like Nicodemus, most of those self-righteous Pharisees are in hell today because they never did what they needed to do, and that was get in Christ. There was one Pharisee named Saul who was just like them until one day he finally said, I surrender. To the point where Saul, who used to be the Pharisee of the Pharisees and was very respectable in the community, said later in his life after he was in Christ, I am the chiefest of sinners. See, if you're afraid to admit your sin or talk about your past, why is that? Because if you're in Christ, there's a confidence there. And you say, yeah, you, you, absolutely, that was my past. I'm in Christ. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads are bowed.